Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchais, Kalim, the laws of utensils, chapter 24 of 28. Aleph 1, we talk about impurity of utensils and garments and materials and fabrics. There is a special category of impurity we've talked about many times, and that is Midras. Midras means when a Zov, or associated category, leans, sits, lies down, pressures this fabric, this utensil, and it becomes <coughs> a serious form of impurity. But in order for something to be able to become susceptible to the Midras type of impurity, it has to be something that somebody would normally lay down on, sit down on, or what have you. If it's not, then it's not susceptible to the Midras type of impurity, again, which is a unique and very severe type of impurity. Speaking of leathers, hides, these are the leathers, <coughs> the hides, Mistami, that do contract the Midras, the Midras type of impurity of Azov. The first thing is a hide or piece of fabric that one considered using as a carpet. The fact that he thought of using it as a carpet, that thought alone makes it something he'll sit in life on. A hide or a piece of leather which is placed upon beds to sleep on them, perhaps like a leather bedspread or what have you, or a mattress cover. A hide or piece of leather which is usually placed under a donkey or on a donkey under the burden which it carries. Because the question would be, why would this be susceptible to Midras? It's something that holds the burden, it doesn't hold the person. The answer is because sometimes the person will ride on it. So therefore it is susceptible to Midras. A piece of leather which is placed in a basket under a baby. And the leather, the hide of a pillow or a cushion. The leather mat that is placed under the table during eating. In order that when food, crumbs fall down, this leather mat collects the crumbs and it can be used to make a kubul or whatever it is, you know, food with precious back there. Why would that be susceptible to Midras? What does that do with Midras? Midras means sitting, sleeping. Because Midras is also leaning. Because a person leans on it with his feet as he's sitting and eating. Also, that leather, which is worn by somebody who is a flax carter when he cards flax, processing flax. And leather, which a flax, a potter, uses. We learned this earlier about cloth. And leather that a porter places on his shoulder to soften the pressure of the pole. When he carries. There's a piece of leather that the doctor places on his knees. When he's down on his knees, when he's puncturing boils. Again, this is something the doctor leans on. Because all of the above hides or leathers. A person can sit on them and so on. Furthermore, the hide, the piece of leather, placed over a child's heart. Where his spittle drips on. We're talking about a bib in today's world. In order that his garments not get ruined from the food and drink, spilling all over him, a bib. And a piece of leather which is placed on his heart, which, which a person places over his heart during the harvest season, not to get dirty, I guess, or from the, because of the heat, to keep him insulated. So again, this is something that sometimes he'll sit on. A piece of leather wrapped around a garment. And a hide sewn on into a chest in which clothes are placed. All of the above are susceptible to impurity. Why? Because all of these, even if they get dirty, they can be turned over on the other side and people can sit or lay or lean or rest upon them. So that's consistent with the logic. Base two. All leathers, all hides, which become susceptible to impurity of the Midras type, do not become impure, until they have the minimum for leather, which we learned earlier is, five hand breaths by five hand breaths. We learned, we went through the whole list of various fabrics, and leather was five by five. The following hides or leathers do not become susceptible to impurity of Midras, period. A hide which a person who combs wool wears while he's combing the wool. A hide wrapped around combed wool. A hide wrapped around fine purple cloth. And a carrying case for fine purple cloth, which is all made from leather. They 
do not take on impurity. Because one is not likely to sit on these hides or even turn them over and sit on them because they're so precious lest they get soiled and ruined. So here you have these are expensive, precious. The cool understanding, but they all do become susceptible to impurity. The sharp with all concerning all other forms of impurity. Because only the midrash form needs you to be able to sit on them or lay on them. All other forms, if there's contact or if it's in the same tent, it becomes impure or what have you. If a piece of leather was made to protect a person's heel or sole of his foot. So he's stepping on it. If it covers the majority of the foot, it becomes impure because then the person is really using it as a support. If not, it is pure. A shoe that's still on the mold where it was left to dry after it was manufactured. Even though a human being never wore it. It becomes impure with midrash. Because his, the, the manufacturing process has already been completed. I'm told that I skipped Gimel 3. Thank you. So we'll go back to 3 now. A piece of leather was made as a cover for a utensil. It is pure from every single perspective. No matter what it is. Because it serves the utensil. Also, if it was used as a cover for weights, it takes on other forms of impurity. Because it's a receptacle. The weights fit into it. Receptacle is one of the rules of impurity. But it's not something you can sit or sleep or lie on or otherwise lean on. Okay, so that was Gimel. Now we go back to Vov. Any hide or leather that is fit to become susceptible in a Midras type impurity, which means you can sit, lie, or lean on it. And there's nothing that still has to be done to finish the task of manufacturing it. Just the thought itself. I'm going to use it for Midras. I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to use it as a support. That thought itself is enough to transport it to a Midras type utensil. <coughs> Garment. Fabric. If the person thought about using it as a mat for a table, that's the Rambam's interpretation, <coughs> on the Mishnah, it still can and does become impure due to Midras. Because it can still be used for Midras uses, I believe. Because one thought about using it for a midras. It was made for a table mat, but he figured he's going to use it for a bedspread. Or what have you. The im chasim but if it's still missing work, if stuff still has to be done to it in order for it to be complete, ain't hamachashobam by others by then. The thought of I'm going to use it for a midras related usage doesn't help to make it susceptible to impurity. Until the manufacturing process is 100% complete. The exception would be minoir. If you're talking about leather, by to cover a saddle, to guard it against dust. Their thought alone helps. Even though the manufacturing process was not complete, meaning this hide is usually smoothed down before one rides apart, but people often use it in an unfinished state. So if the person says, I'm going to use this in his mind, in an unfinished state, that's enough to create a usable keli. When does this apply? If you're talking about leathers and hides, that belong to a lay person, to a private person. However, if we're talking about Leathers but that are owned by a abdon, a leather maker, a leather manufacturer. Shestom on the mechira. What does a leather manufacturer do with the leather he manufactures? He sells it. That's what his business is. And then just thinking about use does not make them impure. Until he does something and prepares it for a midras type use. Why? Because he's a leather manufacturer. He's not supposed to use that which he manufactures. Just thinking about it doesn't help. Zion seven eight other time of the midras. Here's a very important law. A person cannot convey impurity to an object he sits or lies on or leans on if it's not his. Which means person A cannot take person B's chair or bed and. and Lie on it and make it midras. It's not his. You can't contaminate other people's stuff. Shenemar, as it says, one who touches his couch, his bed. So it, it doesn't help if you touch other people's beds. And there are many, very, many details and many exceptions to this rule. Gozal Mishkov, for example, if somebody stole, if somebody robbed a cot, and he put pressure on it, without touching it. How can you put pressure upon something without touching it? There's on that separating you from that thing. There's another covering. That's how you can put pressure on a bed. If it has a bedspread, you don't touch a bed. Toher, he is pure. Because we're talking about Midras. If he touched it, it becomes impure with other forms of impurity. And here we get into the detailed laws of when somebody steals something. Who does it belong to? Let's say, Mr. A, person A, let's call him Ruvain, 
steals a donkey from Shimon. Shimon is looking for his donkey, and he knows he's going to find it. The donkey belongs to Shimon, because he knows he's going to find it. And as soon as he finds it, he takes it back. But if Reuben steals a donkey, and Shimon is looking for it and looking for it, and he says, I give up, I'll never find it, now Reuben has acquired the donkey as a stolen object. What is his obligation? He has to pay the money that the donkey's worth. Suddenly the obligation is, he doesn't have to return the donkey, he made the donkey his. Because Shimon gave up ever finding it. The obligation is, he has to make him monetarily whole, he has to pay him. So in our case, at what point in time does the cot or bed or chair become the impure persons? The answer is, being this Yashu HaBolim, if the owner gave up, I never finding it. That's called Yush. And these are basic laws discussed in financial laws in Gemara, Baba Metzi, and so on. Tomei is impure. Why? Because once the owner gives up, then it belongs technically to the thief, and he has to make restitution financially. Gozal Mishka, B'yashavalav, if he stole a single layon, and he sat on it, Tomei becomes impure. Shechez Kosei, because we can safely assume, Shechez Yashu HaBolim, that the owners gave up. Shechem Yedem, he has no idea who stole it. Memdei Shadayim, Yashu HaBolim, but if he has information that the owners are still looking at it, he didn't give up, Toher still maintains ritual purity. Again, you can't contaminate someone else's cot. If somebody stole a piece of leather and intended to lay on it, you can assume that the owner gave up. I mean, how many people, when they, when they, are, are, when they experience a theft, really find the objects? I mean, you know, not, not that many, unless they have certain markings or whatever. So, when somebody steals something and thinks about using it for sleep, for laying on it, that's fine. It becomes impure. The thought does not help unless you know that the owners gave up, and in simple terms, what's the difference between a ganov, who's a thief, and a gazlan, who's a robber? A ganov is somebody who sneaks in surreptitiously, you don't know who it is. A robber is somebody who says, stick him up, and you're looking at him in the face. So, you're looking at him in the face, you know who he is? You're not necessarily going to give up so quickly. Ches, er, shenit, mot, midras, when he sublet, it becomes impure through midras impurity. Why is it impure? Because it's a midras, because it's something you can sit on, or lay on, or lean on. He's still a carried it away, and then, <coughs> excuse me, he started tearing strips of it, straps, belts. He's tearing it into pieces. He retains its impurity. Until these pieces are less than five handbreadths by five handbreadths. We learned in the Kahat Chumash, a handbreadth is 3.5 five inches. That's about 15, 16 inches square. Why? Because we learned that five handbreadths by five handbreadths when it comes to leather is the minimum size. Test nine, Kolkliyosh and Nitma Hazov, when a fabric made out of leather was contaminated through the pressure of his and then the person transformed it to something else. If he changed it from one simple usage to another and they're both flat, flat as compared to receptacle, then it retains its impurity. However, she know, if he changed it, he pushed it from a flat piece of fabric, when the cobble to a receptacle type fabric, only the cobble of posture, or it was receptacle type, and now it's flat, to it's pure, because you transformed its essence. Once something becomes a receptacle, it takes on impurity from the receptacle perspective. Or the baguette, hakel tome, that is leather. But when it comes to cloth, it's all impure. Ketzat, for example, chemes, if somebody had a, <clears throat> like a leather thermos, a drinking pouch, and he converted it into a carpet, or or a carpet was converted into a drinking pouch, it's pure. Transformation of identity. But if a chemis becomes impure, a pouch becomes impure because somebody leaned on it, and then it is transformed into a satchel, a turmil or a satchel, transformed into a drinking pouch, they retain their midras identity. You then, when a cloth pillow contracted midras, and it was made into a sheet or a garment, a sadin or a sheet or garment, shaso karakesis, which was made into a pillow or cushion. Beget shaso mitpachas, when a garment was made into a covering. A mitpachas shaso kesis, or a cover was made into a cushion. Harehen midras kishahayu, they retain their identity of midras. Yudalef, the closing paragraph of this chapter 24. Kalim shi kanasiyos on the kabolo, the mishka keecha, utensils that were made as receptacles and to lie on, dual function. Kidain, for example, hakorim bakisoyis vasakin vamarsufin, for example, pillows, cushions, sacks, and carrying bags. A sack, he says, implies a sack from goat's hair. Carrying bag implies a leather carrying bag. Im nifchasu, if their value was lessened, or in plain, simple English, if they were damaged, even though they become pure milistame, from taking on impurity now the base, with 
exposure to death, to Bishartumus and other forms of impurity, but basically in the Kabbalah, that's receptacle, loses its ability to receive, it can no longer be pure impure. But still, out of Hindustan, in Midras, being that it has dual function, it still can become impure through Midras, because you can also lay on it or sit on it or lean on it. Shadayin hang ruin, they still fit with Midras for the Midras usage. Abel bought Kalim, utensils. Sheikh Asiyas of the Kabbalah Babad, whose primary purpose of manufacture is to be a receptacle, to gain, for example, a Hamas, a drinking uh, pouch. The Atron will anisatural. They were big enough to sit on, which would be a secondary function. Being that they're big enough, we can sit on them because they're so big. And they're in the midras, because as long as they're whole and usable to sit on, they also take on impurity with midras. A midras type impurity. Midras, but if they're reduced or damaged. Even though you can still sit on them, and they're in the midras, but because they lost the completion aspect of it, they're no longer whole, they're damaged, it loses the midras, because its main purpose of intent and manufacturing was as a receptacle. The idea of midras was only secondary, and now the hail of walking the cobble, being that they're no longer receptacle, the Allah will say they are pure and do not take on impurity. Lay the midras also, not with midras, not only not with midras, but lay the shahatumas, or other forms of impurity. The kamosh, you're going to be rolling the midras in general, how big do they have to be in order to be susceptible to midras? Hachemus, a drinking pouch, shiva kambin, has to be enough to contain seven kabin. The hayalkut, a carrying case, hamisha, five kabin. And a cluster of feeding bag in which barley is hung from the head of an animal to feed the animal arba four kabin. And a leather sack with which water is poured. A so'o. And let me just take a moment and give you the kihot.com identity of a cob is 1.44. Again, 1.45 quart. That's a cob. And a saw is 2.18 gallon. Pachas Mishu would have made less than this. Ain't no ruin the midras are not fit for the midras type of impurity. Vain that a call, they show them and people will not usually sit on them. Nifchasu, if they were damaged with sorar mogem hakos. And somebody bound or fixed up the place of damage, patched, corrected it. Harei, hein to they still retain purity. Okil le kefshar, it's as if he didn't bind it closed. Nechol ha-chamoses, shenif chasu, any type of drinking pouch that became damaged, and he bound them closed. It appears to me that binding closed is not a real fixing. It's, it's a temporary type fixing. Tehidus, they're pure. Chutz mishel arbim, with the exception of those types which were used by Arabs at that time, because the culture was that they would just bind them together. The chemas chalil in a bad pipe, and the stomach in midras does not take on midras type of impurity. Shari ain't a ruin because it's not fit, it's not commonly used for support. End of chapter 24. Rambam, Mishnah Torah. Hilchase, the laws of kalim, utensils, vessels, materials, fabrics, garments, weapons, furniture. As we learned many chapters ago, the word kalim is a catch-all phrase. Paid a chamisha best of chapter 25 of 28. Aleph 1, kopshute clay. 8, ha'asuyin liyashiva. We now segue to wood. All wooden implements, all wooden stuff, which were made for sitting, or for laying down, or for riding upon. Mistamin bemidras do take on midras impurity. Kigayim, for example, hamita bed, v'akisei, and a chair, or anything similar. Since they do not have a receptacle, they're not susceptible to other forms of impurity according to Torah law. But according to rabbinic law, they are susceptible to those forms of impurity. But they are clearly susceptible to midras, which is why a bed can become impure. A wooden bed. Now, getting into details, what if there's a beer, B-I-E-R, which is a bed upon which a corpse is carried at a funeral, or the pillows and cushions of a corpse, since they are set aside for use by a corpse, one might think they're not susceptible to midras impurity. So he says, and as well as the chair, which a woman sits on when she's delivering, a labor-type chair, or a launderer chair, which he uses when he washes clothing, and the chair of a child that has legs, he describes this as a baby carriage, a, a doll carriage, a carriage that the child pushes. Not a baby carriage, but a carriage of a baby. A doll carriage. Even though not all of these do not necessarily have the height of a handbreadth. They all do take on impurity. Even though these chairs are not generally used by people, there are times when they would be, for example, in the notes here, women would sit upon a beer of a corpse to weep. They would be so overwhelmed, they would sit down on the beer and cry. A bride and a woman giving birth will sit upon the chair designated for those purposes. A launderer will sit upon his press to apply additional pressure. Okay. Gimel 3, Kisei Shel Barzosh Eisen, the base Hakisei, a iron seat, which is used in a restroom. We are in and it's usually covered with leather. Hareo Mistama Ben Midras, it does take on impurity of Midras, Ubishar Tumas, and other forms of impurity as well, because it is a seat. 
I would imagine something like a modern-day toilet seat. Because somebody sits on it, and Midrash is sitting. What if he removed the leather cover from the iron seat? The leather cover still takes on Midrash impurity. Because it still fit to sit on. Provided that it's the minimum size of 5 by 5, say some. And the metal, or iron chair itself, takes on other impurities, but not Midrash, because it's not fit to sit on anymore. A small basket made from reeds or similar that's covered with leather. And the Rambam explains in his commentary to the Mishnah in chapter 22 that it also has leather borders, covered with leather, and has leather borders. Mistami b'midros takes on the midros impurity. Or b'shar tumas and other impurity. If you remove the leather, the leather becomes impure with midros type impurity. But the basket is pure, period. Because it's viewed as a broken implement. Hey, five. Benches of a bathhouse, which has two legs made out of wood. This refers, says the Rambam in his commentary to Mishnah, to a marble bench with wooden legs. So the bench itself being marble would not be susceptible to impurity, because it's a stone implement. Stone implements are not susceptible to impurity. When the legs are made of wood, they are susceptible to impurity and can contract that impurity if a zop sits on the bench, even though they're not touched at all, because they are the legs of a negros and the zop puts pressure on it. But that's the idea of Safsol and Shemimerchats, the benches in a bathhouse, where although the bench is marble, the legs, both of them are wood, the stam of the negros takes on impurity. But if only one of them was wood, one of the two legs, and the other was marble, and it's not sufficient to consider it a wooden utensil, it does not take on impurity because it's marble, it just has one wooden leg. When you have boards of the bathhouse that were corked over, they're covered with cork. This is the Rambam's interpretation. They used to cover the boards with cork so that they'll float and the water will pass under them. They don't receive impurity. Because they're not made to sit on. You can't sit on something that's supposed to float. They're made for water to pass under them. A large basket or a wicker basket or holder was filled with straw or other fragments of cloth. Even though they were adapted to sit on as well. Why not sit on it? It's a large basket and it's comfortable. Still, they don't take upon themselves. They don't become susceptible to midras impurity. Because they're not really fit to be sat upon, even though they're soft, because when the basket is uncovered, you'll sit on it, everything's going to come falling out all over the place, and therefore it's not made to sit on, because it does damage to the purpose of the primary function of the thing. But if he sealed them, if he closed them up with reeds or string over their opening, so nothing's going to come falling out, then they do take on a period, because then it becomes a nice seat. We're talking about, in eight, there's a beam of an olive press. How do you press olives? You have a beam, and you apply the pressure of the beam on the olives, and the oil comes out. There was a beam that has a chair at its end. Being that this is connected to the beam, it does not take on midras impurity, even though somebody could sit on it. Why? And here comes the general rule, which we learn repeatedly, because the workers come and find this guy sitting on it. They say to him, stand up, mister. We have a job to do. We have to squeeze olives. This is not a chair. So that ability of making that declaration says it's not a chair. But if he actually created a permanent type chair on this beam, then it is a permanent type chair, and it does take on midras impurity. What if a zov stepped on and put pressure on the beam, then the chair does not take on impurity, only if he sits on the chair, if he affixed this chair to a big beam, or he made a head of this great beam, a seat, but only the place of the seat takes on impurity, and the rest of the beam, the same law applies to a chair that's affixed to a large, affixed to a large kneading trough, because of the way it's structured, a person would only sit there, and in an emergency, because he would be extremely uncomfortable, and therefore it would only be done under urgent conditions, Okay, you at the tent. Reish killing no situation alayam omenim. The top of beams upon which craftsmen sit, the shovelness of onion and smooth stones, but it's one similar. The hayden they are pure. The chain so also capis shall tomorrow show you of a piece cut from a date palm upon which one sits. A pillar of a pepper, even if it's high enough to be one hand breath high. Tire is pure. Shane's like this is not really a utensil. The chain bull shall eat. So also a lump of wood. Even though it was colored red or saffron, made part of a facade of a gateway or similar. Ain't it clear it's not considered a utensil and does not take on. 
impurity, until it has decorative designs, then it becomes designated as a utensil. The heads of beams that have been cut out, hewn out, and cut on the dots, if they have been intentionally hewn out, cut out, and then they take on impurity. But so on, but if you found them, somehow, nature, hewed them out, cut them out. Okay, I'm, I'm told that I skipped nine, so I'll go back to nine. Sos hakeda shemesakin hamesates eso eben leishev olav a stone cutter prepares the edge of a beam to sit upon. Halimokim yeshiva say the place where he sits mistami takes on a purity of midras of midras or mokim yeshiva shachri according to her. But the place where a person will sit at the back of a carriage is not susceptible to impurity. Sheinel yeshiva sar this is the uncomfortable seat because we're talking about in the carriage that's where the customers the passengers sit outside the carriage is where the servants sat and they just sat on an outside seat it was for employees for workmen for assistants and so on and that's not considered a real seat. Ten roshe kleino say sheishman aleimo monim the tops of beams upon which craftsmen sit the shavnes avon to smooth out stones of kaitzim are similar the head of the pure hang tape is shavnes mora sheishman also also a piece cut out you now from a date palm upon which one sits is pure I feel like a tepa even if it's a tepa high tall shein zakli it's not a unit but hang bulsha lates a lump of wood apa pisha serge bechirim kamei aso uponim the shavnes even though he colored it he made it red or saffron and he made it as the entryway to the gateway hang the kli is not considered a utensil so to speak. Well, in the Kabbalah, does not take on impurity. Actually, Yochukai, until he makes decorative designs, then and only then, then would it be considered something that would take on impurity. Back to 11, Roshay, Kleinosis, Hachakukim. Heads of beams that have been cut out. In Chakok, on the Dazi, he did it intentionally. In the Kabbalah, then they do take out impurity because one could sit upon them. But so on Chakukim, what if he found them cut out? And it's an automatic seat in Kishim Alein. If he thought about sitting there in the Kabbalah, from the moment of thought, he says, hey, this is a good place to sit. It takes on impurity. In Kishim Alein, Kadashay, the Kabbalah. We learned this law many times earlier. If somebody who is a deaf mute, someone who is not mentally mature, and somebody who's a minor thought about sitting on them, then these people, their thought doesn't count, only their action counts. Or somebody thought about sitting there, but he doesn't own it, he can't make it impure. Anything similar from objects that do not take on impurity, only through thought, the thought only helps to have something be susceptible to taking on impurity. If it's the thought of the owner of the object who is mentally mature. If somebody makes a mound from dried yeast and designates it as a seat, so the question is, is it food or is it a seat? It's dried yeast. Because it's dried yeast and not edible and not usable anymore, it loses its identity as food. Now takes on impurity as something you sit on. Because now, although it's dried yeast, it has the usage of a wooden implement. And again, there's discussion how this would be if it was Pesach and, and so on and so forth. A mat of straw takes on impurity of Midras. But something made of reeds or grass is pure. Because it's not really fit for Midras for comfortable sitting or sleeping or whatever. But if they're made for covering, you know, back then a lot of stuff was made to, to give shade. If they are shade mats, like we would have mats for sukkahs these days. Especially produced mats that would be kosher for schach. Then they're pure because you don't sit or lay on coverings of huts. Some just manufactured it without definition. If it's large, some of the sechos, the average very large mat is made for covering, for shade. If it's small, some of the shechos it's made to lie upon. Yudalid 14, and here you should also have a diagram. Let's first learn. If you have a mat which is made out of mat stuff and reeds, hard reeds were attached to it lengthwise for reinforcement. The problem with attaching hard reeds to a mat for reinforcement is it may be reinforced, but it's very uncomfortable. Can you hold that? So if it was done the orko to the length, to make a midras, it still is susceptible to midras. Why? Because there's still enough space between the reeds where you can comfortably lay down. Comfortably lay down. And in general, there's a discussion in the Mishnah, chapter 20, Mishnah 7, whether attaching reeds to mats makes it as something that cannot become impure at all. And there are varying opinions. One is that they are pure because they're not comfortable to lay on. The majority of, of our sages say that it's still susceptible to impurity because one can lie between the reeds. And that's the opinion that the Rambam quotes here. It's still susceptible to lie between the reeds because there's still space. However, if he fashioned these rods shaped like the Greek letter chi or chi, which there are varying opinions as to what the shape of this letter is. Some say like a Hebrew chap, others say like a backwards Hebrew chap, others say like an X. In any event, the way that goes in two directions, you can't really lie on this stuff because there are hard reeds all over the place. The it is pure because it's not usable anymore. Also, but if these reeds were placed to the width, if there are no four handrests between reeds, 
delay between Dehedah, then it's pure because it's not usable anymore to lay out. If it's split by the width, it still takes on impurity. If it has uh, three bonds, of three tochem, it still can become bigros, and takes on impurity, it becomes less than that it is pure. Let me take a moment here, and let's focus, Mr. Producer, on the diagram here. Just a second. Okay, here's the diagram. You have up on top A are the supporting bonds. B are the reeds positioned a hand breath apart. So the question is, can you comfortably lay down on this or not? Concluding this paragraph, so also, if he loosened the heads of the bonds, the af- it is pure. It's not in general. A map will not even take on Midras impurity until it is completely manufactured and until the holes are placed in it. As we explain, give me a second here. Because it's not susceptible to impurity until all the work is done to make it functional and complete. Test above 15. If you have a chest that opens above, from above, it opens from the top. It's pure from Midras. You can't sit on it. But it does take on other impurity because... You don't, you don't need to sit on it for other impurities. For Midras, you need to be able to sit on it. This, if you open it from the side to make the Midras, now you can sit on it because the opening is on the side of the Shardumas and other forms of impurity. So here is the baby carriage, the carriage of the doll, which I probably erroneously translated before. Before it should have been the carriage or crib of a baby. Midras takes on impurity of Midras, because the baby leans on it. A cane, which an older person uses to walk with, is completely pure. Because it's not primarily used for leaning, it's used for helping. And therefore it's not Midras. Midras would only be if the person would regularly lean his full weight on Sandal shall sayodin, who sandal shall aids, a sandal used by line workers, which is usually made out of wood. And such sandals were worn to protect one's feet because of the function of line workers, so they had wooden protective sandals. The stamina of the midras does become impure because it's leaned on. The sandal, by definition, is something that pressure is put upon. They shall say upon the metal blade, and sometimes he walks with it actually on the base until he gets home. And that is to resolve the question, but nobody walks on it, they're only working with it. He says sometimes he walks on it. We talked about this much earlier in the Rambam. God forbid somebody's an amputee. And you have a leg which was fashioned for this amputee. And it has a receptacle area for the stuff to go into. Mistamin takes on the impurity. The shartum is all other forms of impurity. Because it has a receptacle. And it also takes on Midras. Because the person leans into it. On it. And Midras is leaning. With full weight. And the following do take on impurity because of Merkav. As a saddle. And as we learned earlier, the saddle rules are somewhat more lenient than sitting and laying. Madas The saddle blanket of a donkey, the tapiton shall sus, the saddle of a horse, the char hagomel, and the cushion of a camel, the ukaf shall noko, the saddle of a female camel, the kol kayetzibohen, and all similar saddles. The saddle of a female camel, the Rambam writes in his commentary to the Mishnah, Kalim 23, is considered as a surface upon which one sits. The alukhe shamanichin agave achamer, boards that are placed upon a donkey, the chakach nesin alav and on these boards you put the load, the haters they are pure because people don't sit on the boards they make for loads. In Hysar, America, but if you can also write on it as a saddle of mea, it is impure, end of chapter 25. Rambam Mishnah Torah, Hilchis Kalim, the laws of utensils, vessels, and we're really moving toward the end. Chapter 26 of 28. Aleph 1, Kli 8, a wooden utensil, Horo'i Lemidros, which could serve as a support, and as he mentions here in the note, that in the Rambam's commentary to the Mishnah, the Mishnah is in Tract 8 Kalim, chapter 20, Mishnah 5, the Rambam, in his commentary to the Mishnah, explains what is this Kli 8 that we're talking about, that this refers to a thick piece of wood with two legs. And these are my words, this thick piece of wood with two legs was made... In, as part of a building structure. They took this thick piece of wood with two panels and they would insert it to connect two walls. That's how they would build the walls. So, until it was put into the wall, it appeared to be somewhat like a chair. So, temporarily, you could sit on it. Anything you can sit on can take on the Midros type of impurity, which Azov sits on. 
Such pieces of wood, however, would be made to be placed in walls, to connect two walls together. So the question is, at what point in time does this piece of wood with the two legs lose its status as a chair and take on a new status as part of a building? Because we learned earlier that things that are part of the building attached to the ground don't take on impurity. This is the subject matter. Again, creates a block of wood with two legs, which at least right now is fit for the Zov or other associated Zov categories to lean upon, in this case to sit. So he then took this and affixed it to the wall of a construction in a building that's being built. And again, this, like most everything else, comes from the Mishnah in Kalim. So if they were fixed and attached to the wall, but did not yet build on top of it, because the purpose of this is you connect the walls and then you keep building. So if you just put it there, he affixed it to the wall but did not yet build on it. Or alternatively, he built on it. But he didn't nail it to the wall, he didn't attach it. It still takes on the impurity of Midras. Why? Because either it was attached, but it was not built upon, or it was built upon but not attached. In any event, it's still possible to sit on it. However, what if he did both? He attached it to the wall with nails. And he built over it and he went to the next level of the building. In that case, it's pure from a Midras perspective because you can't sit on it anymore because it's in the wall and it's built upon. So these are the two components. It's nailed to the structure and it's built upon it. And so also, a similar situation is a mat. And we learned extensively about mats that were made from ropes and reeds and all kinds of stuff. And this particular mat was made to be placed as part of the structure of a ceiling. If he affixed it, to the structure, but he did not yet put the ceiling on top of it. So it's just a mat sitting there. He placed the ceiling, but he didn't attach it with nails. Then, in certain circumstances, somebody can still lay down on it, even though it's being constructed as part of the ceiling. Because I guess you can go on top of it and just take a rest. A lunch, a noontime rest. But if he attached it, and he affixed the ceiling, and built the ceiling over it, in that case it is now declared pure, can no longer become susceptible to impurity, because this mat is no longer fit for laying on, because it now became part of a construction site. Now, okay, part of a building. Once something becomes part of a building, being that it's attached to the ground, it loses its ability to even take on impurity. Next, two, base. Sapso, a bench. Shanotel Echad, Meirosha, where one of its heads were taken, and there are various interpretations. This is a tough one. The Rambam takes the interpretation a little bit different than the Mishnah says. Because what the Rambam is writing here is Adayin Huroi Lemidras, even though, and in the, Midrash, in the Mishnah, the simple interpretation, the simple application of the Mishnah is that Roshav means a head. We're talking about the foot of this bench. There was a bench with two feet. So one foot is missing. Adayin Huroi Lemidras says that Rambam would still fit to sit on, to use as Midras. How could a bench that has two legs, missing one leg, still be used to sit on? So you could say that he can take the other end of the bench that's now missing the leg and insert it in a groove in the wall, and the groove in the wall can hold it. There's another interpretation that the word Roshav does not mean leg, but it means armrest. In that case, it makes more sense why the Rambam says, even though it's missing its armrest, it's still fit to sit on, because you can very comfortably sit on something without an armrest. Now, there is a version in the Mishnah, the common version of the Mishnah says, it's not, it's not, it's not fit for Midras. Or it's pure. That makes more sense if it's a leg. If it's missing a leg, it's pure. Because it loses its identity as a bench. Anyway, so this is a complicated mission. The issue is, is it missing? Is there a mistake? Is it missing a word? And so on. But clearly, if the second leg was removed, oh, it is now pure. Because it loses its identity as a bench. Unless it's a tepach, a hand breath. Thick. Then you're sitting on a higher platform, then it is considered a, 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 a seating, seating implement. Because it's higher than the ground. Again, all of these are from the Mishnah. When you have a bridal chair, even at weddings today, brides have fancy chairs where they sit on. You have a bridal chair, and the bridal chairs back then used to have all kinds of, as my mom of blessed memory used to say, fancy schmancy stuff all over it. So this particular one had a coating to it which was decorative. Now what if the coating was removed? Which bride is going to want to have a bridal chair without the fancy schmancy coating? Not the brides that I know. So if the coating was removed, the fancy trim and all of that, forget it. Forget about it. Then Tahir, it becomes pure because it's no longer a bridal chair. But if he, if the coating did not project outward. When they were removed, in some cases, you can still turn it on the side and sit on it. Again, the interpretation that I understand here is that Rambam says it may not be good for a bridal chair, but it's still good for a regular chair. 
Dalit, Kisa Shinikul Kupaya, but if the decorative uh, moldings, coatings were completely removed, Badayan Royal Yeshiva still fit to sit on, Islam, it is impure, Nikushnaimi Kipu, that is Azabar. If two adjacent decorative coatings were removed, Taher, then it's no longer fit for what it's supposed to be. Forget it, it's not a chair, it is pure. Hey, five Shido, a chest, a closet. Where the top of the closet is removed, the closet is missing its top. It's made still impure. Why? Because the bottom is still used, it's still fit to use as a support. The bottom was taken, it's impure, but because the top is still fit to be used. But they were both taken out, adapted to the walls are left, the wall, the side frames are pure. Which was broken at its side. Still takes on the impurity of Midras and other impurities. Because remember, it may not be a chest anymore, but you can still sit on it. And even a broken chest, everybody will want to sit on it. If you ever find yourself in a situation where there's no chairs and your feet are hurting, you'll sit on anything, as long as you're not going to get very dirty. So that's the premise here. What if it was damaged up above? Then it's pure because you can't sit on it. You can't sit on it. It still takes on impurity. With other forms of impurity, because it's still a receptacle. Remember the principle that a receptacle takes on impurity. It may not be a support or chair, but it's a receptacle. What if its bottom is damaged? Now it's pure, period. Even though you can argue why, you can still use it as a chair, even though it's missing the bottom. Because its function primarily was a receptacle. It was a chest. Now it's no longer a chest. It's missing its primary function. If the primary is done, then it's not considered a utensil which can become impure. What about the drawers in the chest? The drawers in the stomach, they are separate. And they still take on impurity. For this purpose, the drawers are not considered one, where you say if the chest can't take on impurity, neither can the drawers. The drawers are separate entity. Similarly speaking, a basket which serves as a dispenser that Rambam is talking about, a basket that used to be hung from an animal and used as a dispenser for fertilizer. So I guess the basket has holes, and as you're moving along, it kind of drops the fertilizer. Something like that. Where it became damaged. How big was the damage to the basket? The hole got too big. We learned earlier. What is considered too big? Where it can't hold pomegranates anymore. If you put a pomegranate in it, it'll drop out. And we learned that extensively earlier. Even though this basket can still be used to sit on, or as a support, but being that this is a manure dispensing basket, and it can't dispense manure anymore because the hole is pomegranate size or bigger, so it's gunish merit. It's not worth anything. So even though you can still turn it over and sit on it, no. Because the primary purpose of manufacturing this basket is to use as a receptacle and as a dispenser of fertilizer, being that the main purpose is no longer here. But the secondary purpose where you can turn it over and sit on it is also gone. It's a mixing trough, which was wood, where we mix building materials in gypsum, or gypsum, are mixed. So this is a kneading trough, like a, like a, like a, you see on, on construction sites, like a work, a wheelbarrow, which they use to mix stuff in, or, or a, a container, where they mix components. Even though it can receive various forms of impurity, because it is a utensil, but it cannot become impure through a midras, because a zov, or associated category, would never sit on this. It's disgusting. They'll get their pants dirty. Even the cleaners wouldn't get it out. What if it's a kneading trough that's used for dough? This is large enough to hold between two lugin and nine kabin. A lug is 11.63 ounces. A kab is 1.45 quarts. So it holds between two lugin and nine kabin, where it develops a crack. How big is the crack? You can't wash your foot in it because the water can't be contained. Even one foot. Because of the crack. This can still become impure as a midras. Why? You use it for mixing dough. It has a big crack. You can't even wash one foot in it. What's the value of it? Because one, one would assume that the average work site will use it to sit on. You can't use it for dough. You sit on it. But if you go because of its size, it's and its crack. It's big enough to sit on, and the crack makes it dysfunctional for its usage. Now, next scenario, we left it out in the rain until it became moist and swollen because water causes stuff to swell, and a miracle happens. Sometimes it happens when your roof is leaking. It shouldn't happen like it happens. And uh, it keeps raining, something you say, a miracle, my roof is fixed. Your roof is not fixed, it just swelled. And the next time the sun comes out and dries it up, your roof is going to be broken again, if it rains again. You've got to call the roofer if you have a hole in your roof, or you need a hole in the roof. If you put it in the rain, until it swelled, and the crack was sealed, and now it's sealed, it's functional, a miracle. Now it does not become impure with the Midras, because no one's going to sit on it. Because they're going to need dough in it. And its primary purpose was to need dough. But it does take on other impurities, because it's functional now as a trough.
as a dough-kneading situation. What if you put it in the east wind? We call it here the Santana winds, which dried it up. And the crack is open. Because the moisture is gone, the Santana winds, the eastern winds, dried up the moisture. So now the crack is back. It once again takes on the impurity of an object you can sit on, because you'll sit on it again. And it's pure from the perspective of other types of impurities, because it can't contain that which it was made to contain. A large kneading trough, a jumbo, which is larger than nine cabin, nine times 1.45 quart. It's grande. It was damaged to the extent that it can't hold pomegranates anymore, which was the damage minimum we learned earlier. So it was prepared to be something you sit on. Now this is considered pure, even from Midras, impurity, even though it's used to sit on, until the sides will be trimmed. We learned something like this earlier. Until the sides will be trimmed, where it won't damage a person who sits on it, it'll be smooth. Why? Because its primary function was a large kneading trough. The fact that you're sitting on it is you're Mickey Mousing it. Once you trim it, now it'll become a comfortable seat. Trim the edges off. It's not comfortable to sit on something that has protruding edges. I once tried it. Ruined my whole day. Now that Rambam gives a reason. Thinking about using something as a seat, as a seat doesn't help. You have to actually do something. Actually, in a situation like this. I saw What if he made it a feeding trough for animals? So even though he fixed it to the wall, to make it takes on impurity. In general, we learn that when things are affixed to walls, they don't take on impurity. But here, in this case, it's being affixed to the wall, so the animal can feed from it. It's not being affixed to the wall as part of the construction. Now, you see a, a picture here, a diagram. One of my nephews used to say pictures. Mr. Producer. You see a diagram here? This is a diagram of a bed. Now, a bed has vertical poles, it has horizontal poles, it has poles going in the long side, it has poles going across, or let's do it again, it has poles going across the length, it has poles going across, or staves going across the width, it has a headboard and a bedpost. That's how you make a bed. So here you have the various components. And these components are marked, A is a horizontal beam, B is a vertical beam, C is the bedpost, D is the headboard. I'll show it to you once again. So the next few halachas are going to be talking about the halachas pertaining to beds. This is, uh, I guess, uh, sponsored by Sit and Sleep, right? Okay, I think it's a local joke. No, uh, where are we up to? Tess. When the two long sideboards of the bed were removed. The two long sideboards, which in this diagram is A. After it was impure, it lost its sideboards. The sideboards were taken. They were damaged or what have you. And new, manufact- new sideboards were manufactured, were made for it. The only problem is that the old sideboards were taken out, the new ones were put in, but the holes containing the sideboards were not changed. Same old holes. Now, the new ones are broken. It's still impure as a bed. The new ones are broken. Why is it impure? It's without these sideboards. What is the value of a bed without sideboards? But if the old one, well, the answer is because you can still replace the old ones. As long as the holes are there, you can still put the old ones back. The fact that you make new ones and the new ones broke, it doesn't take away the fact that the old ones are functional. What if the old ones broke? Suddenly the bed is pure. Because we're really concerned about the old ones. The new ones don't concern us too much. You would need to show that to if a bed became impure through the fact that somebody sat or lied on it. The neat luxora and the short boards, B, were removed. Which they cry in, along with its two legs. So now it's missing two short boards and it's missing two legs. What a bed. I once slept on a bed like that. That's why my back hurts. A dying even to muscle, it's still impure. Shall die in Sudasavita Ibadis because it still looks like a bed. It has the form of a bed. And you can still lie on it, even though you're probably lying in a very crooked way. What if these sideboards and the two legs were removed? It is now pure because it's totally dysfunctional. Moving right along 11. And if somebody cut off the two corner posts of the bed in a diagonal manner, the posts which connect the sideboards to the headboards or the footboards, giving the bed a rectangular shape, so he cut off these posts on an angle, thus the bed can no longer stand because the posts now have an angle. Or he cut off the bed posts by a hand breath by a handbreadth, balachan on an angle, on a diagonal slope, or reduce their size to less than a handbreadth, all of the above, this bed to be pronounced broken. And therefore it is pure. What if the long piece, 
had been broken and it was fixed. Adayin he abtuma trois. It's still a major form of impurity because of sat on it or laid on it. Nishma aruka shniya. Where the second long one is broken, particularly fixed it. Tehidah bin amidros. It's now pure. Abot meim magam midros, but it still retains impurity from being touched by midros. Like he's because after the shenish nishma shniya, but if he didn't get a chance to fix the first one until the second one broke. Now you have two broken ones. Tehidah it is pure. Twelve mita bad trois to meim midros, which was impure because as of sat or leaned on it. A bishartumus or by other forms of impurity. And now what happened is a thief broke in. This thief was looking for parts. When nigna chesed half the bed was stolen. Called nine one one half my bed was stolen. A avad chesed he lost half the bed. There were two brothers who had an inheritance. One brother took half the bed. Or two partners who split up the partnership. They took half the bed. In all the above situations, it is pure because half the bed is gunish bed. It's worth nada. It's like a broken utensil. What if the half a bed was returned? It's a miracle. It begins now to take on impurity anew. From now on. This would be likened to me. To somebody who made a utensil. From broken utensils. Which earlier became impure. It broke it. Now it's pure. What happens if it's fixed? Or if, if a new utensil was made? It's now pure. But from now on it takes on impurity. When the components of the bed were taken apart. And they would often do that in order to immerse in a mikvah. They would take the bed apart piece by piece. If one side were in two head and two bedposts. Exoda or a short border, shake Ryan and two hosts were broken on Elamistam, and they do become impure. They should ring themselves up because they can still be propped up against the wall, but they should not to sleep on them. Mita Shinikma Skula, a bed that became impure in Mitpila, a bottom of a if he went and immersed it part by part, he totally dismantled it and immersed it to Hera, it is now pure because of the immersion. And he says that the Rambam Lam says here that this is speaking about a situation where a sideboard and two bedposts are still intact. If not, then it would not have to be purified because when it's dismantled to this extent, it's already pure. Just a dismantling. If somebody takes apart a bed to immerse it, at the time, if somebody touches the cords that are related to it, we learned earlier that the cords, I think were like springs or what have you, then the cords running from one sideboard to the other to support the mattress, since the bed is in the process of being taken apart, the cords no longer convey impurity. End of chapter 26.